Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Now Listen to This, an album review and ranking podcast where three salty amigos deep dive into a different album every episode. At the end, we'll give this album a score from 1 to 100, and then we'll put it in our ranking list and see how it stands up. My name is Brett Scott, and with me today is Nick Poffenbarger. Yeah. And Max Ravenscroft. Hello. I did have a little too much salt in my dinner. We just went to Chili's, so I'm going to ask you guys how you're doing today, but I already know. Uh, bloated, weighed down with carbs. I'm just glad we got in without a reservation. <laughs> how about those Texas cheese fries? Uh, I thought they were um, no good. Really? Brett made Brett no made his uh, famous joke of um, taking one giant Texas cheese fry that has a bunch of cheese and other fries attached to it and says, uh, this one counts as one. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh, the room lit up. Even the tables around us were, were just turning and laughing. It was, you know, it was a real hoot. <laughs> When you're at Chili's, your family. I think that's Olive Garden. Yeah. It counts at Chili's. Speaking of Olive Garden, today's sponsor is uh, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> so we Ugh. thought we thought we'd take things a little different this time. Instead of talking about music, we'd just talk about Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and Chili's. Have you guys seen that? Not you guys, the people listening to this podcast. Oh. Have you guys seen Sonic 2? Uh, write us. Give them, give them a moment to respond. <laughs> I think I heard a no. Let's talk about it. I heard a yes. Max? I would give it, if I had to give Sonic a popcorn bag rating out of five popcorn bags, I'd give Sonic 1 a 3, and I'd give Sonic 2 a 3.25 popcorn many, bags out of five. How many gold rings would you give it? I'd give it 3.25 gold rings out of five. Okay, same amount. Yeah. I liked, uh, I liked them equally, the first one and the second one. I like the second one more. I did like the big Robotnik machine. The Mean Bean machine. Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a good part of that movie. I just love Knuckles. Well, anyways... So we're we're here to talk about music today, right? I think yes. so. I think so. <laughs> what did uh, what did we listen to this week? Yeah, Max, it was your pick. So this was my pick. Um, I picked an album that is near and dear to me. Um, it is Herbie Hancock's 1973 album Headhunters. It was the first album featuring the band The Headhunters, which he assembled for this recording. Um, I want to say they were together for maybe three years, three or four years, before they kind of yeah. I mean, all the jazz guys in this era kind of seemed like they cross pollinated. What's the era? Early seventies. Okay. Late sixties, early seventies. Um. So Nicholas, what's your experience with Herbie Hancock? Uh, to be honest, um. So once I got into the album, I realized uh that I knew the song, uh, Chameleon. Mm hmm. That was actually an arrangement that I played in school. Yeah, it's um, kind of a... It's a pretty standard jazz, like, uh, you know, arrangement. A, yeah. Um, so I knew that. I did not know it was him, though. I don't think I ever knew a Herbie Hancock song uh, that I knew was Herbie Hancock, you know? Um, I'm sure you knew, like, Rocket. Maybe. Um, I, I knew Herbie Hancock, the name. The first thing that always comes to mind is the joke from Tommy Boy. Tell the joke. So when we're at the beginning, he's taking a test, and uh, the answer is clearly... Um, uh, John Hancock, but he puts Herbie in the fill in the blank. And then later on in the movie, when uh, David Spade's character tells another character that he needs John Hancock on something, uh, Chris Farley goes, John Hancock, it's Herbie Hancock. <laughs> um, and I thought that was funny. That is funny. That is pretty funny. <laughs> That's a good movie. Uh, what about you, Brett? None. No, none. I I recognize the name. Mm, and pro I, probably because I, well, I mean, I think I knew he was an old school jazz guy. I'm pr I'm pretty sure I've recommended this album to you a few times over the last few years, but probably I've probably heard you talk about it. 
Um, but I didn't even I didn't know until looking right now that he was the keyboard player. Is that right? Yeah, he is a and he has a big crazy head. Wow, that's not his head. Oh, believe oh, it or not. Oh, thank God. I was worried. Believe it or not. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, he was quite a prolific uh, keyboard player. Um, this is some early um, synthy stuff. Yeah, I've actually got some some information kind of on the um, what what he was what tools he was using and why this was kind of a, a groundbreaking uh, make made real jazz heads pissy kind of record. Um, I could see that for it's- me. Um, <clears throat> I'd seen I'd seen Herbie fully loaded with uh, Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> is, okay, is this a real thing? <laughs> no, that is a real movie. I didn't remember that. It's I the car that. Herbie. Know the film well. Know the film well. <laughs> um, no, I. So I mean, like most people, I know the name Herbie Hancock. Um, I'd never really listened to it. Um, and probably like four years ago, I was watching a YouTube channel that I like quite a bit, and one of the guys mentioned this album and he was like if you want to hear some fucking wild just virtuosic like free jazz funk check this out and i listened to it like the next day at work and i was like oh my god how long ago was this four years ago i think Hmm. so it's pretty recent um and i've never really what it's a weird thing for you to love this is not like anything else that you've that you talk about I would agree with you. You're not really a jazz guy. There's like yeah. an ocean of stuff that sounds just like this that I, I'd be interested to see you like. Well, that's what I was going to say is I have I have ventured um, previous and further from this album in Herbie's discography. And all of it is kind of just like I'd rather listen to Headhunters again, hmm. you know, but I'm going to be I've been listening to this a lot the last couple of weeks um, more than usual. So I'm going to be kind of deep diving into his the the rest of the stuff with the headhunters he did two more albums with them um do you know the headhunters the bands do you know their names or like i have it all written down oh wow yeah okay you want to hear that um only if you want to if you want to find whatever you wrote it on and then pull it out and read it i might do that okay um but i thought first why don't we uh why don't we talk about the album okay Tell me about it. <laughs> okay, well, here <laughs> it gives you that like uh, acid trippy feel. Yeah, it really. I think it. I mean, you look at the album cover and you hear the those first notes being plucked out, and you're like, yeah, this is this is like trippy, weird, heady, a trippy, a trippy, weird. It's romp. funk as fuck. Yeah, it's like this is a funk album cover. What I love, it's kind of creepy too. It is weird, <laughs> um, and I mean that helped the the vibe when I first. You know, I had this described to me as a weird jazz funk fusion and i see the album cover and i'm like oh yeah this is probably weird shit i want to know what he's playing there if that's yeah, like an electric piano it's okay. probably a fender Rhodes Rhodes fender that was his that electric piano of choice and i read what is played. on his head so that is i don't i don't have it written down um it, it is looks like a compressor it's an it's an african mask it's like a traditional mask but he's got radio knobs and a um, like volume tape scale on his mouth, so it's a fusion of past and future. Whoa! <laughs> Just like the music. Wow, makes sense. It's yeah. cool. So yeah, for for the listeners, the album covers is Herbie Hancock with a big circular uh, pointy hat. Oh, you know what? If they haven't looked it up, yeah, go fuck, fuck yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it's a good. I think it's a great album cover. I like the colors. I think yeah. it's very. Um, I like it. Iconic. It fits. It's cool. Hell yeah, Max. So I guess now we can just dive into. I'll give a little, little some backstory on the record, and then we can 
Yeah, give some facts. And then we'll dra- dra- fact facts in the tracks. That's what I always say. I'm going to do what Brett suggested. I'm going to pull out my notes. Facts in the tracks. I've got them right here. Headhunters by Herbie Hancock. Okay. Read them stiff and robotic as you can. I want to like PowerPoint. 12th studio album. First album with the Headhunters backing band. So this was, as I just said, this was this album came out in 1973, um, just about six months after his previous album, which is pretty impressive. Um, this was his 12th record already. He'd only been recording solo for 11 years at this point um would you did you recognize any other names he had played with like early on like was he, he a backing guy for someone cool he played he played uh electric piano for miles davis for like six years that's pretty cool cool and that that was a big influence on on this album um because i i mean i had i don't i know miles davis is the jazz man you know he's the trumpet guy but he is the jazz man i don't know anything else about miles davis um <clears throat> And I looked into a little bit of the stuff that Herbie said was a big influence on this album. And uh, Miles Davis had an album called Bitches Brew from huh. 1969. It's like a 95-minute experimentation album of uh, jazz with electronics using studio overdubs, like uh, editing trickery, um, you know, manipulation using using synths and, you know, pitch shifters and all that stuff. And it was a huge commercial success, but the jazz community hated it. Yeah. They're like, you're fucking... Because to them, it's like, you just need to be in the room with a microphone and that's what comes out. Yeah. 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 Like black metal. Yeah. It's like if... if <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. With fedoras. If you recorded your black, black metal on anything other... Now it's more like newsboy hats. <laughs> oh, fair enough. If you recorded your black metal on anything more than a tape recorder... You're you're a fucking idiot. It was a newsboy you know? era jazz. When did Fedora era start? Twenty eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> Just now. Super late. <laughs> so this I like our version of history. <laughs> <laughs> it's funnier. Yeah. So so you guys say you had never heard of this album? No, I don't think so. No, nah, not in particular. Okay. Like I said, I I knew Chameleon, but just because it was an arrangement that I played while I was in like jazz band and whatnot. This album is and and i would say before i had heard of it um a few years ago i had never i didn't know about it but it's considered one of the most important jazz albums of all time it kind of opened the door for jazz fusion um it was the first platinum selling jazz album and it's one of like the top like three best-selling jazz albums of all time it spent 42 weeks on the on uh, the billboard charts i would call this probably something for later but you were saying it opened the door for jazz fusion i would call this just as much funk and yeah. like soul as it is jazz. That's what jazz fusion means. I know. So that's so you're learning. I'm agreeing. <laughs> and you're condescending. I was like, I'm gonna get um, aggressive. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> um, so let me give you guys a little more tasty background. So it was recorded in San Francisco, produced by Hancock and David Rubison, who had recorded his last like four or five albums with Hancock. Um, and I actually read a quote later on from Rubinson saying that jazz fusion was uh, for white people pretending they could play black people music. <laughs> Mostly true. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but I mean, no, really, that's that was the thing with um, a lot of the pushback uh, this album got was people were accusing Herbie Hancock of trying to sell out and get white people trying to get on that steely Dan train to to buy his music. 
and he was like i just thought funk was cool you know i just thought i thought saw sly stone up there bringing the funk and i wanted to do that we want the funk yeah who wants the funk gotta have that funk herbie hancock raised his hand and said i'd like to have that funk he, he kept that hand up ow <laughs> me <laughs> so ow so for this album uh herbie Herbie Hancock had just re- had released a trilogy of albums called the Mwandishi Trilogy, which is like, it's really fascinating music, actually, from what I've heard, where it's it's kind of like futuristic avant-garde jazz mixed with like African, like tribal percussion. It's very interesting. It sounds very futuristic, while very primitive at the same time. Um, and you can read a quote from him where he talks about how he had been making music up in the stratosphere making music that was too thinky and involved and he wanted to bring it back down to earth and make something fun that you could groove to and so that's that's one of the things that i like about jazz is it can be as like fucking chaotic and nonsensical as you want Mm -hmm. or it can just be like this cool funky peaceful yeah time yeah i mean it's an expansive genre yeah jazz can be just a very kind of like somber quiet thing or it can be like in the middle of sly on this album where it's just like yeah you know just nuts um but so for this album the only member that stayed is benny moppin who was the woodwind player i get that name right yes benny moppin he played all the saxophones he was the only one good enough to be a headhunter (laughs) yeah no i think it was i think it was kind of like i said what these jazz guys did was just they liked to kind of rotate members of the recording community um but yeah herbie had been with miles davis for years and then he left to do his own thing and then this guy benny moppin was in miles davis's band when he recorded bitches brew and so he kind of brought that influence to herbie hancock um and then so he grabbed he's got harvey mason on the drums paul jackson on the bass and then bill summers on the percussion and he's the one who plays the bottles the beer bottles oh, okay. on Watermelon Man. Yeah. What's that weird fluty shit on Watermelon? That's that a beer. Water? That's a beer bottle. He's just blowing into it? Uh-huh. Yeah. You can do that with a beer bottle? Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a lot of overdubs and, and layers. He's a lot better at it. It's like him doing me. like 10 different tracks at once on top of each other, but... And all that, all that, like the, you know... Does that count as percussion? That's a woodwind. <laughs> it's a glass wind <laughs> all that all that um kind of you know the thumping and the bumping underneath it that's all him playing on congos and i'm not going to try to pronounce their names but they're a bunch of like traditional african percussion instruments try it, do it no from memory no <laughs> um so that's that's the headhunters and like i said they stayed together for like three or four years and the headhunters themselves had a solo album that featured Hancock. Um, nice. They had a song called God Made Me Funky. It's pretty fun. And it goes, God made funky music. <laughs> Do you know Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers has been the same, like, three guys since high school? Or the same, like, five guys since high school? Uh, Tom Petty died. Tom Petty died. They replaced the bass player at some point. I think he had some sort of issues. That's really impressive. Super impressive. That's like, you know, like it wasn't even like... It's literally his buddies. <laughs> the bass player who they replaced, it wasn't even like drug or anything like dramatic it's like 
no, I just, I needed some time off to do my taxes. <laughs> and then like, I couldn't get Those back. Those taxes really build for... up after two decades. <laughs> two decades. He didn't do them. He's like, I couldn't get back in time for the next tour. So they just had to. We need the next two years off to do my taxes, guys. <laughs> That's like the, the um, band Paradise Lost. They've been the same four guys since like 1989. And they've, they've had like four different drummers though. But the rest of the band has been the same. That's the Spinal Tap joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, kind of like I said, um, this record came at a time when Herbie Hancock was growing tired of being uh, intellectual with his music. He was getting he was getting sick of feeling like he had to treat music super seriously. He wanted to just have fun and do something that you could just groove to, you know. And which it's kind of funny that this is what he came up with. <clears throat> yeah, because it's not like uh, it's still kind of heady. Yeah, like in a lot of places. I mean, more heady than it than it needs to be, I guess. Um, all right, they, I mean, like they could have just played like these arrangements as competently as they did without like, but uh, but you know, a lot of the experimentation. But like that to me elevates it to being a lot more thought out and a bit more heady. Yeah, I have a quote from Benny Maupin that I think kind of helped defines what what they were going for and how they're still like too smart for their own good. He was at this big festival um, and he saw it was, it was like a big soul and R and B and jazz and funk festival. And he saw some kids dancing the funky robot popping and locking their joints at right angles. <laughs> I just started to hear in my mind, melody centered around that kind of movement, twerking their behinds. <laughs> so I just started, what to is hear this? <laughs> what is this that you were doing? kid? Children, are you locking and popping? But, I just started to hear in my mind melodies center around that kind of movement. The melody, two little hitches, a staccato double tap, followed by a bluesy riff down a minor pentatonic scale. That's the kind of thing where it's like, to him... Most people are like, oh, that's funky. He's like, hmm, <laughs> minor pentatonic. <laughs> so, you yeah. have to cut the third measure. <laughs> and then if the snare comes in just before the two, hmm, pick up note, yeah. So that's that's kind of all the background and research I have. Um, nice, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm that impressed. That definitely Thank explains you. a lot. I read like five. I actually read a really neat article from 1973. Wow. Yeah, with a, it was an interview with Herbie Hancock. He talked about how he had he had like just joined the Buddhist church, and part of the part of the influence on this album being a little more freeform and and lighter was just him like meditating and chanting every day that's kind of you hear about all the rock and roll guys getting into like eastern spirituality but that's interesting that he was kind of doing the same thing yeah yeah that's cool yeah you guys want to get into the the tracks meat of the album yeah oh shit i was i was thinking this one's going to be kind of um this is the first time we've ever discussed an instrumental album um no we were going to discuss chet atkins me and my fucking guitar no, whatever. we did uh, Jimmy Smith, the cat. That's right, we did. Well, never mind then. Fuck, fuck it. Just cancel this whole episode. <laughs> it, it is, however, the first album we've done with only four tracks, so this might be a shorter discussion than usual. Yeah, because even <laughs> even this first song, Chameleon, Max did just drop an entire book report on us. So, well, yeah, I mean, but you know, even now, I mean, it was like when I you remember when I did all the research for that Aussie episode. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> At the end, that was my book report by. Max Ravenscroft. Thank <laughs> you. Nose is running. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for this next section, we're going to be breaking down the album track by track, giving our individual thoughts, comments, and critiques on each song. Yeah, y'all. Track one. 
Chameleon. Track one, half of the album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 16-minute fucking... Wow, 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 wow. I mean, just, what, what did you guys think as soon as you hear that fucking bass line? Oh, you know, it's Ooh, a... Oh, that's funky. Yeah, great great groove right off the bat. Honestly, since the my very first thoughts on this were... So last week you said, should I do a, I don't know, a metal album or a weird one or something? And we said, let's do a weird one. And you pick this. And I was expecting some really off the wall shit, which granted this does get more off the wall later. But for the first like five minutes of the song, it's like, it's kind of just like a cool funk jam. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like weird. Yeah. Crazy. Well, the first five minutes that you're just talking about are like a big slow build. Yeah, up to, yeah exactly. Like when they do that theme melody it's the almost time it's almost not even jazz until that melody comes in yeah that that theme that they keep going back to yeah those first i mean the song is bookended in in really i love how like sorry you go oh the the like the stake throughout this song is that I like that. I I love it when like one instrument comes in at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that shit. I like it when they all come in because like once you actually have the whole band playing, they're still very restrained. Like it's it's dynamically interesting because they're waiting for that that theme thing with the sax and stuff to come in to like kind of explode. And then like once it does, it's like uh, yeah, I don't. I guess it's more like the three minute mark because that's the first time they kind of do it. And then, like, it, yeah, it just kind of explodes, like, from there on, and it's, like, a full-blown jam after that. Like, I think but they're, is... like, holding back, like, on that first, like, just getting the groove going for, like, the first few minutes. It's interesting. These guys are so good at playing with each other and around each other and giving each other, each other. <laughs> giving each other space to breathe. And, you know, uh, when, and, you know, they know when, when everyone should be fucking going all out, and they'd only been... A band together for less than six months at this point i think it's jazz is just like a language like these guys know like, yeah they just yeah. They, they have eye contact and magic like feelers for this kind of stuff yeah the i the guy i want to talk about the most on this is the drummer harvey mason he is he's just fucking so good he plays the most like simple the most simple you know drum beats throughout pretty much the whole album but it's like such a solid like foundation for everyone to go off of. He, like I said, he knows he knows when to back off. He knows when to lay it on heavier. I noticed the drums and the bass in this song, and like it's after like the big long synth solo, and then the the electric piano kind of like softer section. Yeah, when and they, then the bass comes in like with this really funky shit that's mm-hmm. like just like yeah. kind of like shredding almost shred grooving, and it's like whoa. They do that. Um, it's a, I call it like the second phase of the song when it actually yeah. like changes for a bit before they like go back like uh-huh. and it's kind of like a fusion like a of both. Yeah, like um that part is I love the intro to it when they like when they first go into it because it's like this drum fill, this like weird weirdly timed like kind of erratic drum fill that leads right into that bass line. Uh-huh. And like yeah, they just kind of like it's cool because like it's kind of out of nowhere and it feels like a totally different part but like they it doesn't feel like forced it kind of organically like goes into the next part and it feels like the next part of the journey of the long ass song like it's yeah. like it's, it's this song, now you guys go this song is yeah 
you know, it's like a 16 minute like jazz funk odyssey that on first listen, it, you could mistake it for being like an improv jam almost. But then, like you said, when you listen to it and you you dig into it, it's structured. I think. Yeah, it's like, so it's so intricate, um, even though it is very repetitive for quite a bit of it. They, but I think it's more just them getting the full extent of utilizing like the idea for what it's worth, which mm-hmm. like a lot of jazz stuff does, um, especially in like the the fusion era stuff, because that stuff inherently is a bit more structured like it's just playing it out like but doing everything you can with like this one idea which to me is always still interesting yeah like you know because you hear them all play with it like you know it's like the drums are like it's fun to listen to shit like that and like listen to just one player and listen to how much they change what they do by the end of that section like which is what they do like you know what it's fun did you guys also notice that there's no guitar on this one? There's two. on no on this album. There's no guitar. It's all a bass guitar with a wah wah pedal. Really? Uh huh. I swear to God, I heard, I, a guitar I heard earlier. I was gonna say like in the beginning when it's all kind of building it's up. It's like yeah. There's three different lines that like stack. That's all a bass, isn't that? It's fascinating. All yeah, of like what you think is a bass is played on a uh, Arp Odyssey synth right. synthesizer. All right. Which I was just when I learned that there's no guitar i was like what the fuck how'd you do that that's crazy yeah interesting um so my my favorite part of this song and probably my second favorite thing on the whole album is about six minutes in when the synth solo starts mm-hmm. you know and it's got that awesome which one the one that's like because <laughs> he plays it on two different things well, it's the it's the there's so, a road there's a road solo and there's a fucking whatever else solo it's the it's the arp solo okay um after you know there's that kind of like shreddy crazy yeah stuff he's doing and then it goes into like bum 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 or whatever um i'm trying i'm having trouble recreating it um but that like builds up and builds up and it's like a really like cool epic keyboard line that he's playing um and then it kind of explodes you know and he's doing like crazy shit both of his solos do that they both like build up like yeah and then they're just like they're like so that I don't know if you guys noticed I didn't because I don't I don't really pick up on keys and pitches but his um his synth solo is is off pitch and um, how so like it's the thing is tuned off the yeah the keyboard is tuned differently yeah so I watched this video with Herbie Hancock I've noticed it sounds weird yeah like he he weird. was detailing the new Arp Odyssey and he was talking about how on the pitch shifter on it on this new one it's great that it's a knob because it used to just be buttons. And you had no way of knowing what your pitch was at unless you had time to sit there and tune it. So when he's having to switch between these instruments and just push the buttons really quick in time for recording, he pushed it wrong. He pushed it like too many times down or up or whatever. And so for quite a while on, on this song, the his keys are off pitch. On accident? Yeah. Whoa. But he kept it? <laughs> yeah. but Because it sounds cool, you know? So... So he's playing like a full half step below what he meant to do or something weird? I think it's up. I think he's playing a step up. <laughs> it's like, all right. Yeah. Keep going. And then actually there's... I only I, got one take. <laughs> I read on Wikipedia that there's a... It's a 15-minute song, guys. We don't have time for this shit. There's an edit of this song where they remove that entire off-pitch section, which I'm like, that's like the coolest part of the song. Ooh. The, the, the seven-minute keyboard solo they removed the whole thing <laughs> yeah they it's like it's like a 10 minute edit jeez yeah. and did they put something in in its place no i don't think so that's most of the song <laughs> i know i was gonna say too just to, about the the solos in general 
um i i, I really love the the solos are really like uh, Herbie solos are really engaging because they're like you know I just told I just talked about how both the solos on the different ones that he uses um are uh, you know they build they both build and uh, they both have like just great peaks and valleys I think um to where it's like I'm I'm like entertained by it the whole time even listening to it multiple times like I did I was like oh yeah there's something I didn't really hear before or whatever you know I mean I, I mean most jazz records are like that because I like pick out different things each time I listen like you know to listen to something else like or another player going on but like those solos were always like i was like oh it's it's cool yeah i like it because it sounds like a guy playing with a new thing you know it's like yeah yeah so there's there's a little bit of, of backstory for that in that he he said that when he was growing up he was incredibly interested in music and playing the keyboard and then when it time to go to college or when it came time to go to college, he decided to be an electrical engineer because he was always interested in technology. And he was like, it makes way more sense. What's going to make me uh, a more steady income trying to be a musician or being an engineer. And then a few years in, he was just like, fuck it. I got to play this piano. Um, and then I think it was when he was playing with Miles Davis that he started using an electric piano. And he was like, fuck yes. A lot of that, like, learning about synthesized music is like learning about electrical currents and pathways and that's stuff what, yeah. that actually like he was like oh this works with music too like this this all this electrical shit i'm interested in keyboards are doing this now that is like one way to approach it from a background of like knowing about how yeah that stuff interacts um that's like uh the like ambient electronica artist i love aphex twin he will he will like take apart various synthesizers and like take their wiring and their decks apart and like make his own out of it that's so cool it's so cool but so what herbie plays on this album is a fender Rhodes, an arp odyssey and then a clavinet and the clavinet i think is like that's one of like, the it's it's like a stevie wonder kind of thing it's like a funky like a that's like the to me that's like the soul of this album what makes me love it so much is just the way a clavinet sounds it's like when i hear jazz or funk that's what i want to hear i love it so much i think it sounds so cool i agree yeah i i think that's a really good blend of sounds i i also love like hammond organ and shit i think oh, that yeah. would have been a good but it's not his thing it's not herbie's thing yeah and it's really neat if you watch videos you know obviously in this in the studio a lot of this is he either had the keyboard set up next to each other you know or different takes but if you watch live videos you know he's got one of those setups where he's got three pianos stacked on top of each other and two on the side and he's just going crazy going that's crazy. how you can tell how good a keyboard player is by how many keyboards they have right in front of them <laughs> yeah that always blows my mind and they can they can switch so effortlessly and you'll see them like turning the knobs and shit I love yeah the big modular synth synth things where it's like a huge thing in front of them that they're like patching cables as they go it's amazing that's fucking nuts there's a daft daft punk did a tour or maybe it was just one show called alive 2007 and it's amazing it's like two hours long and it's almost every single song they ever wrote but they're live editing it and remixing it and flowing the tracks into each other with like their own custom made like synth deck station it's incredible like they they just fucking huh it's incredible it's really cool but yeah nice um i don't know where i was going <laughs> he right. was going to be an electrical engineer <laughs> and then i talked about the instruments he used and this is a cool song yeah 
This is I would I would nominate this for Hall of Bangers, to be honest. Uh, I'd give it. I would give it. Yeah. That's a three out of three too. That puts it in the esteemed Hall of Golden Bankfulness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's just a, so much stuff in this song. I mean, like uh, just little things that I picked out a lot that I really dug. Um, you know, I love too uh, when they kind of get to the end of the uh, solo, the second solo out of like the second phase of the song you know mm-hmm. they hit that melody line again and he's still just like shredding over it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i thought that was really cool um i was gonna say uh it, during that like kind of like calmer portion of the song as well um the b section basically uh i, I know that we talked about the the drums um being really impressive and uh you know kind of holding down the fort but like i feel like on that part even though it's like the calmest part of the song, all those little like hi-hat motions and like the double rolls on the snare and stuff, like he's like playing some really fucking hard shit. He's like, right, like right there. And it's like, it's all over the place, but like, it's so funny because it's like the calmest part of the song. And he's just like, I imagine of just, I was like watching that dude play that shit live. Must just be like fucking moving like crazy the whole time. And I'm like, that's like literally the hardest part of the song for him. (laughs) And I was like, that's a cool juxtaposition because like, you know, obviously like, what he's playing fits it's just like it's way more complicated than like anything else that any of the other guys are playing at that time which i just think is really interesting it it made me pay attention to the drums a lot more during the whole album um what i've found is that i like jazz drumming a lot Um, oh yeah and a lot of that is influenced by you know i'm a big fan of uh it's called breakbeat Mm -hmm. like it's it's what in a lot of electronic music they sample breaks in intricate drum patterns from like jazz and funk songs yeah and then just like speed them up and chop them and make them sound all weird but i just i love i love how like intricate and a lot of times it's just between a cymbal and a snare and but jazz drummers make it so so interesting yeah a lot of cool different like techniques to like play with the beat and like make it more interesting um yeah no i was gonna say too about that section just uh to enunciate a bit more on Herbie's solo during that part because I think that's my favorite solo is the second one I think that's the Rhodes one right yeah yeah so Where like it sounds more like a synth yeah yeah and like uh it, that part um I don't really know what he's doing because I'm not too like knowledgeable about like keys and technique thereof but like it sounds like he's like using the different tones to like put like a melody on top of his solo runs <laughs> like while he'll be like doing some scalar shit there's like something on top of it that's like just like playing like like a like a melody Mm. thing over it it might be an overdub yeah and it like changes like i don't know it's weird it's super fucking cool though like it's a it's it's really interesting um but yeah and then like when they finally go back into the last portion the latter portion it's like back to kind of the a section but it's like a fucked up version of the a section (laughs) where it's like they don't play the same exact thing it's like a mix of like the line from the second part like so it's Mm -hmm. like a a fusion of the both and um yeah it's like an alternate rendition which i thought was super cool and then you get that sick little sax solo at the end too Mm -hmm. which i thought was awesome dude that very cosby show (laughs) tell you guys right now Now, actually i was gonna say too the horns uh this is like a stereotype for me with with saxophones but like Anytime there's just like a rolling kind of hip melody on a saxophone with music like this, it always makes me think of like a 90s like kind of uh, romp comedy slash like heist comedy movie or something. I think you said this exact same thing. 
Yeah. On the Bruce Springsteen episode. I definitely do because it reminds me of shit like that. Such as? Bowfinger. <laughs> okay. I've always wanted to see Bowfinger. <laughs> I've never seen that. Don't know if it holds up. It's it's a movie. Beverly Hills Cop. It's like. Watch it now. It's like the 80s. Oh, but. this movie is racist. Probably. It might be. I mean, it's Eddie Murphy, isn't it? Is the main. Both the movies I just referenced are Eddie Murphy. Yeah. I think, I think Bowfinger is Steve Martin. It, it is. Making. He's making a movie. No, I know what Bowfinger is about. I can tell you. Brett. I'm going to tell He's talking him. to the, the listener. Yeah, listener and Brett. But you sound like you're not 100% sure. Just let me. <laughs> all right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying I, know what, I know what the movie's about. Just I'm let just me. Saying. Steve Martin wants to make a movie starring Eddie Murphy, but Eddie Murphy says no. Who's Kit Ramsey in the movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that was unspoken. But he Unspoken filmed- the character's name from this movie nobody <laughs> cares about. Yes. <laughs> he films it like gorilla style. Like, they'll just like run up to Eddie Murphy on the street with like a camera hidden and like ask him a question and try to get him to say the line they want him to say and make a movie that way right that's that's pretty close <laughs> that's the movie yeah i like it sounds pretty funny yeah it sounds like it's funny it'd be funny for like five minutes i think some of steve the, martin some of the jokes like some of the jokes i think probably still land but some of it's probably in poor taste now it seems like one your grandpa would have liked he showed it to me <laughs> i love that steve martin clip of him i don't remember what movie it's from that's the one where i always quote that joke uh, about Tom Cruise in Interview with a Vampire. Oh, where he's where, where, the, where the guy's like it's Jamie Kennedy who's like his assistant, the photography in Bowfinger. Yeah, and uh, what year was Bowfinger? Like ninety eight, ninety nine, ninety eight, something, something like, like that. that. Oh, okay. And uh, but it's it's Jamie Kennedy is like his is the photographer, like uh, or the the cameraman. I guess you saying it was Jamie Kennedy puts it in a three year range. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, like he's the one who's like, sir, I don't know, like do you really think we should be doing this? It just seems wrong. And Steve Martin says, did you know Tom Cruise didn't know he was in that vampire movie till two years later? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That is funny. (laughs) I was going to say, my favorite, I don't know what movie it's from. I'm just referring to it as just that vampire movie. too. (laughs) I've seen the clip like a million times, but it's Steve Martin. And he like goes up to this girl. He's like in a grocery store. And this lady's like, in the freezer are like grabbing like a TV dinner or something. And he comes up to her and goes, you know, you shouldn't be in the freezer aisle. You're so hot. You're going to melt all that stuff. <laughs> and the girl's like, Oh baby. And they is, walk off together. Is this Bowfinger? No, no, that's not Bowfinger. What are you talking about now? I, I think it's quote, the, I could quote Bowfinger from the beginning. I think it's the <laughs> movie making fun of the Goodfellas guy. Uh huh. The guy that Goodfellas is based on. Uh-huh. I don't remember what the movie's called. What does that have to do with what we were talking about? It's Steve, Steve Martin. Martin. Oh, Okay. Okay, I got you. It's funny. Anyway, Steve Martin, good taste in jazz. So maybe he's a really accomplished banjo player. He is. Yeah, he's very. Good. He's good. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else to add about Chameleon? Uh, no, no, not really. Is it? I just had a bunch of random specifics I pointed out that I, I don't know. Just dig it. I dig the arrangement. You definitely noticed more of like the more like kind of like intricate little moments. Then I, a lot of times when I listen to this album, I kind of just take it in all as a whole and just kind of go along with it. I have something to say about the way that I listen to stuff like this, probably later for overall stuff. But like, uh, I think we talked about it when we did in our previous show, um, Musical Squares, uh, during the Jimmy Smith, the cat. Were you like, you listen to like each instrument? I, jazz is like a weird thing for me. Um, probably because I grew up kind of 
I learned a lot on jazz. So like there's just a, there's a, there's a weird, like, I wouldn't call it a hurdle, but there's just a, a strange way that I listen to it because like I never, I did full disclosure. Like I never listened to jazz like for fun, <laughs> like ever. And, uh, not that I didn't like it. It was just like, it's all business. It was something that I played like, you know I mean? And it was like, it was for, you know, education and learning and stuff like that. And, you know, being in like jazz band and shit like that was fun. I liked playing that kind of stuff, but it wasn't something that I like wanted to put on all the time. So it's a little bit, you like, you pick it apart a little more because you're yeah, trying to figure yeah. out how like, would I do this? I'm imagining more like being in the room, <laughs> like watching them do these things. You're like, like how you would know? I get into this key? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, he's did that interesting thing. Like, cause I don't, I don't know. It, it's just a, a bit more analytical on my side of like, from a playing perspective, I guess. Okay. Well, what? What key and time signature were they playing at 941 of this song? Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they really changed keys in this song much. Nick is a liar. What? They change keys every second. <laughs> Key On the keyboard? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he hit all the buttons on this song. He's playing a different one every time. He, he has no clue. He's like, <laughs> I'm just hitting the buttons. <laughs> I love, I like it when I hit these buttons. I what, love that What now. key is this in? This white one. <laughs> I can do that. The black one too. I did one in the black one one time. <laughs> one time. Herbie Hancock's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking moron. Oh <laughs> yeah, I guess we could move on to a uh, watermelon man. That was a lot closer than I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was Brett Scott's cover of Watermelon Man. By Herbie Hancock and the Headhunters. Thank you, thank you. I thought that was going to sound like complete shit when I saw you get the other bottle. And then I was like, I was like, oh, that's kind of, kind of the idea. <laughs> so this song, a little backstory. This song is actually um, Herbie Hancock's first hit from his first album in 1962. This is um, kind of became like a jazz standard. And then for this album, I, I I might be making this up, but I think I remember him re- reading him saying that he wanted to take an old song as kind of a proof of concept for his new ideas of fusing jazz with more modern, you know, funk and soul and R&B. Um, that makes and sense. Made this one. And so when, when I brought up this album's weird, it's always this this intro that I think of. Um, it's very like uh, like a kooky town in Zelda. I thought it was like pan flutes or something. Yeah, it. This always sounds like when you're in the forest and ocarina of time. Is that Skull Kid at the beginning? Yeah, the Forest Temple. <laughs> My notes say Forest Temple Zelda. <laughs> yeah, I put Zelda, Zelda too. Kooky Town and Zelda. Yeah, uh, sound like Skull Kid fucking around at the beginning. Ooh ha ha, ooh ha ha. <laughs> I think of uh, the one in Majora's Mask. Ooh ha ha. Do you remember Majora's Mask in the forest? It's not like in the beginning it? of the game. It's in that dark the temple where it's all black and it's the forest temple and the the boss is like a dancing tribal man (laughs) yeah Yeah. there's that like tribal flute sound in the back yeah so i i wrote down what this is based off of find that hindewu hindewu music it's from central africa um it's like a traditional um you know music that tribes from central africa played um and the percussionist is very was very um he played a lot of that kind of like world and traditional African percussion stuff. Um, and I think he just did this. He was just like, check out this. I'm going to do this. I love it. How this goes on for like 
two minutes and then the drums just kick in with like just it's and like, then, whoa. then it goes, yeah. I really like when it kicks in because it just goes in like this awesome like uh, funk timing. Yeah, it's almost like, like mid measure, and it, there's just suddenly drums and bass. It, yeah, baseline's yeah. killing this song too. They're like intertwining with like the melody stuff that's going on with the other strings, which I guess is the bass now that I know that. But like, uh, uh, yeah, it this sounds is... really cool in the headphones because like the wah wah shit is like on the right side, mm-hmm. kind of like on the background, and the the bass line is like going through. It's also the 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 intro, the the percussion, and like the vocals where he's going like, oh, 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 oh. yeah, skull that's, kid. That's yeah. like kind of like Zelda it, sounds. It, it's shifting. We're uncultured. <laughs> skull kid, yeah, yeah. the Zelda sound. Um, that's like kind of shifting which which ear. It's it's really neat. The this album the. It might. I don't know what the sound like originally. This is what I have is the '97 remaster. Um, but this is this is by far my favorite song. This is like when I th- when I think of jazz and when I'm searching for jazz to like, I think of this this song. I like this song is it's so mellow and and laid back and like I said, it's got that clavinet in it. Is it clavinet? I always say clavinet, but I don't know. I, I don't say know. clavinet too. Yeah. Call it a clav. That's, That's cooler, cool. anyways. The clav. Yeah, th- like this that. is just the song is just so good. And this was my nomination. I forgot that you'd called it the the Hall of Golden Bangfulness, and I just wrote down Hall of Ultra Banger. Ultra Banger, Gold Star Banger, <laughs> Gold Star Banger. What's the um? You had a good name for it, didn't you? Baller Holla. Ball. <laughs> 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 That's okay. Whatever, <laughs> Whatever we call it's it. It's in the three out of three votes. Or uh, Chameleon is in the three out of three vote version of all. This this is my true vote. So this goes in your uh, your individual favy. Yes, I like that. I respect that. I respect that too. I respect yeah. you for it. But yeah, no. Um, yeah, I'd have to agree with this song. It uh, like, it just feels like all of them are melding together really well, and like all the little like start stop hits, and uh, they open up when they need to, step back when they need to. It's very much just everybody's in sync on this one. And it's it's nice. Maybe that's because they knew the song as well too mm-hmm. a bit better. Because because it, it does feel a bit. I mean, they're all structured and they all sound tight. But like this one in particular feels like they're like oh like they knew this one already. I listened something. to a little bit of the original version, and it's recognizable. But this is such a radically rearranged version of it. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to ask: Did you guys get kind of like a summer? like on the streets of New York City or like streets of San Francisco or something. Kakariko Village. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) the streets of Kakariko. Because this song, I mean, the context of of a guy on the street corner hawking watermelons and the just the general... I thought it was just about a man who likes watermelons. (laughs) No, it's about a guy selling watermelons. (laughs) But just the general kind of feeling I get from this song is... If you're selling watermelons, you probably like watermelons though too. I love watermelon. I like watermelon. I also love watermelon. I, you know what? I, I, grapefruit. I didn't know. Where did you read that it is about? I mean, wikipedia.com. Wikipedia.com. So I took it. I'm going to change that to say it's about a man who likes watermelons. It's I thought it was like Jim a, Crow stereotype, the watermelon man kind of thing. I thought that's where they were drawing from and kind of like owning it. Oh, I didn't know. That's um, interesting. Well, well, my first. <laughs> I was thinking like totally innocent about it. I was just like, oh, he likes watermelons. I have have been thinking because it's just the album cover is the dude with the big circular head 
You thought that's Watermelon Man? Well, he, then, he's I am Watermelon Man. <laughs> well, no, and then <laughs> like and a this, superhero. <laughs> the song starts off all weird. I thought it was just kind of like a weird, like a dude with like a watermelon head or some strange, you know, like that was his. Yeah, concept. he is. He is Watermelon Man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that. I like that version. <laughs> but no, th- this song makes me feel. This song sounds like summery to me it's like light and airy yeah i mean i could see that it's like a chilled out summer day I'm i like it. i like that the uh the sax gets like a main melody in this one it's cool yeah fits really well i won't have i don't have a ton about to say this one even though it's my favorite and it's, you know i just think it's really good sometimes the heart doesn't need to speak sometimes this, the skull kid sounds are a little I, i'm 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 back and forth on them Sometimes. I love that. I, I love, love that. I love that it comes back at the end too. The, the end is like fading out on the Skull Kid thing. Make <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm like, yeah, you know, it's okay, but it, it, I don't know. I'm not sure it was the right choice. <laughs> I, I like that. Been, a lot of the songs come back to exactly how they started. Uh, most of them. Actually. The next one, Slide, does that just like that so well. The best thing I could say about that then part so of the, the last song, one. The best part I could say about that part of the song is the fact that it gives it a very unique identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I like I remember it really well, you know. I mean, what's I'm just back and forth on sometimes if I if I really dig it or not, you know. What's interesting is if you take you know, the songs on this this album are long, except for this one. Particularly if you take out the intro and the outro, this is like a three and a half minute song, and then the rest of them are you know a sixteen, ten, and ten. Um, but I would imagine maybe the reason it has the outro again is maybe this was the end of side A, and it's a bit of a fade out for you could be but then you flip the disc you get funked on <laughs> you get all funked up why don't we move on to sly and the family stone the song the song that's what it's named after baby what no way <laughs> it's named after the funk master himself this song is like i might have guessed that but i didn't want to sound stupid <laughs> this song is like some beverly hills cop ace ventura <laughs> fucking shit at the beginning it does that fucking <laughs> 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 Yeah, I think I think it rules. Yeah, I uh, I love the the walking bass with like the the airy kind of melodies after the the more that bombastic intro, like mm-hmm. the sax like, and the is it a flute harmonizing? It's like sax and Rhodes and flute or something like heathen, yeah, really it's really fucking like soaring, like yeah. just like <laughs> what is he? Playing? I like it too because on that part, like the the sax does a lot of like the heavy lifting with like the little like frills and like you know like like just making it sound like really dreamy and like you know cool <laughs> he's playing an alto flute a lot of good a- atmosphere nice. um, atmosphere that's a good word for it the song is the song is awesome it's my least favorite one I on think the this album is, this is my favorite what what kind of gets personal me on, personal fave on this one for sure what gets me on this one a little bit is that it's oh it's a little too chaotic for them that middle like five minutes i love that because um it's kind of this is kind of like the only time on the album where I feel like they're they're all playing over each other a little bit, and it's a little too freeform, um, like improv chaos. Um, and when they rein it back in, on like the tail end of that section, and then they go back into the you're trying, they go like you're talking about when they change the tempo bebop. Yeah, they go. I love that like, shit. That to me, when that happens, I'm like, it's fucking go time. Like I was like, <laughs> I like yeah, it. like. It, that that the rolling bass line with like he does a chord at the end the like it's like a, it's like mm-hmm. a chord over and over again and like 
you get the erratic like sax soloing and like the the modulated fucking keys behind it and shit it sounds so cool i i love that stuff i think it's great uh the drums do that same thing kind of that they do in uh chameleon where it's like on a kind of calm part like he's playing they, they fucking wild crazy shit. And crazy fucking impressive like sound all over the place but perfectly complements like the sections they're in i don't know i i love that part because it, it like it like builds and builds and builds and it's just like fucking going nuts and then like they do this crescendo and they roll like right back in for a key solo mm-hmm. like once they get done with that and then they're just like okay now a keyboard solo and then fucking yeah you could just tell they're like really locked in i mean like i could i guess i could get the freeform thing because they are just kind of like going nuts but like that to me is it's like on purpose it's supposed to be like the big explosion type thing and like leave you with like all this shit going on and then they calm it back down for a key solo lock back in do a bunch of subtle things like under the solo and then they build and build and build again and it's like a smooth transition back into the ace ventura shit for the finish what i don't like like about the that the, the wild part is that it feels like there's three different things they're all playing separately at the same time like what the the keyboard i don't think the keyboard melody that Herbie's playing matches what the sax and the drums are playing together. That's just called re-listening value. You got to go back, do it again, and focus on that instrument. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I feel like it's a it's a it's little branching storyline. <laughs> it's a choose your own adventure. It's just a little too. Um, like I said, it sounds like they're. It sounds like the three sections of the band are each playing their own thing, and I don't feel like it. It they they go together very well. For, for quite a while, probably like three minutes in this song, is a little too frantic. Um, tick, 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 tock. Mm. Yeah. I like it. I like that kind of, I like touches of that kind of like chaotic, whatever the opposite of easy listening is. You know, it's like, it's just, it's hard listening. Hard listening. I love that shit. I think, it, I think it's This was also the, the part on my first listen through that I was like, okay, this is a fucking jazz band. Mm-hmm. It's not, this isn't just like jazz-ish funk it's like this, this is a jazz outfit i mean it I, like I and it that. shows how fucking good they are at their instruments yeah they're all virtuosos i dig it well, i'm glad you like this one daddy so like much. Yeah. next daddy i am daddy <laughs> that's your podcast persona oh no um hey daddy we got big daddy uh, over here <laughs> oh no don't like that max's um, little baby boy hey daddy uh <laughs> yes baby boy <laughs> <laughs> baby one is baba <laughs> Baby wants to bass. <laughs> baby wants to funk. Baby wants to groove. And baby wants to ARP Odyssey synth. I won't buy you one. Okay. They do look cool. I was like, ooh, I want that. They make uh, like recreated models of them. There's there's new ones. I saw Herbie Hancock demonstrate it. Really? Yeah. At, in his 80s? He was, this was, it was from 2015. It was cool. Very nice. He was like really excited. And I mean, he, you can tell he keeps up with technology because he was like, he like turned it around and he was like the best part about this whole thing midi ports <laughs> and i was like whoa cool even those are outdated now though <laughs> yeah but he was like the one i had in the 70s did not have that and i like that this one does he hasn't upgraded since <laughs> <laughs> guys i don't know if they don't have strings i don't i don't know what's going on <laughs> it's crazy to think about this album is almost 50 years old yeah and um i feel like it's still incredibly fresh sounding yeah I mean, it, it, it sounds like 70s jazz. Yeah, but I feel like it doesn't sound dated, you know? No, yeah, I agree. Yeah. it's. I got something to say about that later. 
if, oh. if it's not positive, Uh-oh. you can shut the fuck up. No, it's just part of my overall stuff. Okay, well then talk. Right now? I was going to save it. Well, yeah, save it. I am. Okay. <laughs> we haven't got to vein melter yet. Do you guys want to talk about, do you have anything else to say about Sly? Uh, Nope. I don't either. Yeah, no, I no, I said pretty much everything. Um, vein melter is a really good song. Yeah. Um, this one, like I was saying with the title earlier, originally until fucking two days ago, I thought the title was awesome. I thought it was like a reference to like this album is like gonna fucking melt your veins. It's so it's so hot, so cool. Sounds like a heroin thing. Um, and then I learned it is about he had a friend who overdosed on heroin, and that's what the title is a that reference makes to. The most sense. I thought of it as like we love heroin. <laughs> I don't think this one's the vein melter. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but and then that kind of contributed. How many of you are on heroin out there? <laughs> <laughs> it, Inject them if you got them. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it kind of changed instead of the instead of like uh, giving the horns to the crowd, they just slap their fucking. <laughs> <laughs> instead of waving your lighters, you wave your fucking rubber hoses. Yeah. Oh, we no. should stop. Um, <laughs> uh, what I was so title makes me uncomfortable i i loved the title until i'd learned it was sad it was like a cool like fucking you know i didn't just like a weird 70s acid thing i didn't either way it has a power to it i didn't really assume that it was like you know i figured it was a heroin reference but i didn't like assume whether or not it was like a pro heroin or or (laughs) anti-heroin reference i was more just that's me being fucking stupid no no i was just saying like i i thought it was but like I guess it's just like anything to have to do with veins. Like I'm, I'm not a, uh, Nick doesn't have veins. I, I I'm not know. a human being. I don't like, um, I mean, you know, I, I'm not like opposed to like shots or anything. It's just the idea of like injecting something into your veins makes me really fucking. It makes me queasy. Yeah. Yeah. It puts, puts me on pins and needles, you know, I'm I get like, freaked yeah, out that like, like we have like hard things that grow out of us, like nails <laughs> and teeth. I hate that. Huh. Anything you can think of veins just weirds me the fuck brains. out. Brains. Brains weird me out. How's you that ever, work? You ever think like brains how, are squishy and fun. What, what is a soul? You know, brains, is there a soul in your brain? You ever think brains about how squishy and fun? Your bones, but it's are, everything. Your bones are wet and hot. What? Your bones. Uh huh. They're wet. And they're warm. They gotta be 98 degrees, right? That's fucking weird. Is it weird? Imagine picking up like a hot bone. <laughs> it would be 98 degrees. It would That's hot. Like, it's kind of hot. Yeah, put your hand on the, on the pavement on a 98 degree day. Ooh, I think warm. I think it's weird um, that like when it's 98 degrees out, it's, it's super fucking hot. But, but the core of your body is 98 degrees. That is weird. So why is the outside of your body 72? Why do we sweat? What's up with that? <laughs> I was thinking about how fucking weird eyebrows are. They're just a line of hair above our eyes. Everything is weird leftovers from like living in caves and shit. <laughs> Hair's fucking gross too because it's just dead shit that we push out of little holes. Is it dead? It's, yeah. All hair is dead. It's not living cells? Uh-uh. Really? Pinch your hair. Can you feel it? <laughs> That's not. <laughs> what? If it was living, feel the nerves and shit. That's not true. Yeah, huh? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not everything living has nerves in it. Um, what, plants? What? <laughs> Uh, jellyfish jellyfish don't even have brains um how do they see the ocean they feel the ocean they sense it that's beautiful do you know um octopuses <laughs> uh, most of their brain their neurons are in their arms no way mm-hmm. a lot like doc ock <laughs> and spider-man too did you know ultimate doc ock was like that he was attached to them psychically did you know in spider-man rain 
It's the storyline where <sighs> I, I hate I, it when you talk about Spider-Man Rain. It's the one where Spider-Man killed Mary Jane by his radioactive semen from unprotected intercourse. Mm-hmm. Um, but Doc Ock, Ock, they they buried Doc Ock with his fucking robo arms, and they get activated, and it digs out. And so his octopus arms are like fighting Spider-Man with Doc Ock's corpse strapped to him. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Not good. But Spider-Man's old and sad. Why isn't it cool? It's like Nick Nick has a thing against radioactive cum. Nick doesn't even like comics. <laughs> That's an Easter egg for all of his friends do though. Listeners. Is it opposite day? <laughs> um, so how about we get back on track? <laughs> they know it's, it's a four track album we're filling. Yeah, we're good. So this song I, I love this song. Um, when I learned that it was about, or that the title was in reference to a friend who died, it kind of changed the tone I got from the song where it, it, it went from being kind of like a calm, come down kind of song to feeling almost more like a dirge, um, particularly how it kind of... I thought it had like a sad, eerie quality to it from the beginning. For, for it, Like what really got me was that beautiful little like synth string section uh-huh. that's kind of like the crescendo of the song yeah. i want to know what that was because it's just i don't, a, it's I don't just really a think they had like violin samples that sounded that good back then it does sound really good it for does. like for this, this is like mellotron days yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what it was yeah he's I, only listed as playing he's got a clavinet and two he's got an arp odyssey synthesizer and an arp soloist synthesizer pipes is anyone credited as just like a violin section or anything no i don't know i put on that part um like those soaring keys and whatnot come in and it gives like this kind of uneasy like hopeful feeling to the song while everything else is still kind of like down and a bit more like sinister sounding Mm -hmm. because like because the main portion of the song which is like from the very beginning is like uh, kind of this eerie, creeping kind of vibe. It like almost reminds yeah. me of like an old like detective, like noir film or something. And like uh, then that part comes in, and like it's it's weird, but it's like a it's a beautiful mix, like to it because like I said, it's it's kind of like this little bit of like hope, like and kind it's of so sprinkled into it. Wholly different from anything else on this album. Yeah, yeah. This song is entirely unique in the context of this record. Yeah. I know that you guys are giving me shit for this too, because like, I mean, we all did, I guess, but like, I'm going to make another video game reference here. Uh, but when those like airy, like soaring kind of moments come in that sound like super sad, uh, I have nothing contemporary uh, to compare it to, but it reminds me of the sad scenes in like Final Fantasy VII. And that's what I thought you were going to say. and I was <laughs> going to be every episode. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, it sounds like that kind of. like It, it, so- I, I it sounds like that whole section. It's just funny. <laughs> I think it was like three times last episode. But I I, I like it. Kooky RPG Town is popular in jazz. I don't know. It yeah. must just be that ARP Odyssey must just have a really good uh, like ability to do string sounds. One thing, one thing that I wrote down is kind of, I really love how this album closes where um i mean you know the the main thing of this song is that rolling snare to the clasped symbol with the tambourine shaking behind it that's like the main you know he plays that same drum beat the entire 10 minutes of this song um but what i really like at the end of this song uh hancock comes in with a few bass notes on the synth and then it does like a wow and then 
everything fades out except for the kick drum. Yeah. It's yeah, it played ends like, with the kick, like how it starts with the kick. It's yeah. like once a measure, you hear the, the kick until it's done, and then it's over. Yeah. And I fucking love that. Yeah, I like how this one kind of rides like the same vibe the whole time. Like the, uh, you know, the, like you're saying that the keys kind of like change the tone and make it sound like there are more like, I guess, parts, even though it's kind of just them like doing the same idea and using it for everything it's worth but like the not not like, in like a not in a hacky way in like a good way like, like he's you know. like gradually come in on this one he starts coming in with like the electric piano yeah before like that synth section and then there's you know there's a little bit of, of sax and bass going on but it is it's a very m- mellow yeah it's like this one idea that they just kind of live in for a while and i think that that's uh it's kind of nice it's a cool way to like end the album can i talk now no so um what i was honestly i didn't really get into this one really i didn't get it i was kind of waiting for it to change and i was like next song will be different <laughs> and then there was no next song <laughs> i think that's insane to end it like this <laughs> i like it it's like over 40 minutes uh it's like 36 minutes long it's short but put this one in the middle then what i like about this one is it's like a come down song yeah the, like especially a, after like sly poignant ending sly is so frantic and crazy and then they're just like have this one to kind of wind wind down i did think it was kind of funny how i had this album on like repeat so like when it got to the end of this one it's all like sad and moody and then it ends with that kick drum and then all of a sudden just <laughs> and i was like oh yeah oh, <laughs> forgot you <laughs> know i dug it so you didn't really like this one um, I just didn't, I don't think I got it. And I don't mm-hmm. think I, I probably just need to sit on it a little longer. Brett's not sad yeah. enough. I guess I'm not sad enough. I think you should try, try crying. I'm just well balanced. <laughs> He's had a good life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if you guys have nothing else to add. I said pretty much everything. I think we'd get into our, um, overall thoughts. Yeah. Want to. You want to guide us in there, Brett? Yeah. So for this section, we're going to go around and each give our overall thoughts on this album as a whole, ending with a score from one to a hundred. We're going to place it in our master ranking list of one other album. See how it stands up in the grand scheme of of uh, two going up albums. against the old the boss, old big scooter, <laughs> big scoots. <laughs> you call him, You kept calling him Big Poo. <laughs> big Poo. I know where you're going to be. Call me Big Poo. I was just talking about how funny he gets violent about it. He whips out a switchblade and call me Big Poo. We're talking about he doesn't get it, but like it's actually it's a he he's making a Winnie the Pooh reference, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but everyone's like I'm not calling you that. Um, okay, well, Nicholas, yeah, your overall thoughts and rating, sure. Um, so yeah, this was a uh, I don't know if I should say total surprise, but it was it was it was a pleasant listen. Um, uh, more experimental than I thought it would be. Uh, we may have mentioned it a little bit before, but I uh, just have to say how uh, I agree that this sounds very modern. Um, feels like decently ahead of its time, and you can hear the impact uh, stuff like this had on music directly over the next couple decades, I think. Especially like hip-hop. Yeah, yeah. And um, I enjoy like sitting down and dissecting a band's dynamic, like a band like this, uh, seeing what they're doing and kind of re-listening to hear, you know, something different is exciting to me. However, that is uh, certainly not the case for everybody, I realize. And um, 
I don't find myself in the mood for stuff like this all the time because that is kind of taxing for me to do. Uh, this is not an album to me that you can like multitask to. I think it's something that like you need to focus on. Otherwise you end up at work and some annoying ass sax blares or a beehive fucking keyboard solo attacks your ear and frustrates you. And like, this is good bathtub music. Yeah. <laughs> like, this was, I, this was, this is wonderful music for me to work to. I can't do that. I can't do that. I, I, I have to listen to it intently to like really get it and enjoy it. You know, um, I get lost in the funk. I don't. It, it it's either it's it's not attention grabbing enough to focus away from something else that I'm doing and then like when it catches me like if it becomes erratic and attention grabbing like it, it just, I'm just like what the fuck is going on like I'm you like, want to know what the doctor said about me took a sniff and he said oh he funky <laughs> what character is this <laughs> but anyway um I kind of alluded to this earlier but like uh, I've said this before on our previous show. Um, when we talked about the incredible Jimmy Smith, um, this type of music, a lot of the time for me, is more fun to be a part of and play than to listen to. And I feel that way sort of about this album, but it is very engaging to the point where I didn't like feel like it was better most of the like most of my listens. I, I, I enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed like the idea of like, you know, dissecting it and, you know, imagining playing along with it or whatever. And um also, the songs are uh, super long, so if you don't like that, <laughs> like the basic DNA of one of them, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah. Luckily, I liked all of them, so uh, I gave it a 78. All righty, it's pretty good. Liked it. Brett Scott, why don't you uh, you talk? Uh, boom, 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 uh, boom, boom. Um, okay. Well, I don't really have a whole lot to say that I haven't already said. I think this is some funky ass shit. Um, Fas. I- I like most of it a lot, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's really good bathtub music. I listened to it in the bathtub a couple of times. How did this, you mentioned to me, BTM. Nice, nice on cold days to take a hot bubble bath. <laughs> BTM. Jazz. You mentioned to me a couple months ago that you've been trying to get into jazz. Uh-huh. Was this, did this open any doors for you? Maybe. I have. I had not really approached like synthesizer-y, psychedelic jazz like this. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm I'm intrigued. Like the stuff I'd been listening to was from the 40s and 50s, like the kind of classic bebop yeah. style stuff or cool jazz. I would say if you liked this, listen to like the three before and the three after. Okay. Um, and then after that, Herbie he started kind of messing with commercial stuff, and then in the 80s he was he he was like a big pioneer of like uh sampling and like uh early hip hop, you know that that's, kind of music. Yeah, that's cool. And I really appreciate the boundary pushing and like, because that's what jazz is. It's, it's supposed to be like (coughs) new stuff and everything gets stagnant eventually. Like one, a funny thing, like Louis Armstrong is like a fucking original jazz guy. When he was hearing the jazz, like the bebop guys in the fifties and sixties, he's like, this sounds like fucking nonsense. This is bullshit. This isn't Uh jazz, you know? And, and it's like those, then those guys listen to this and they're like, this isn't fucking jazz, dude. Yeah. You know? So I li- I always like the next step and like someone who's willing to try something new, you know. I was um, going to I was going to mention it earlier um when I said that I didn't have any contemporaries to uh compare this to, but like uh what I what this made me think of honestly um Mars Volta? No. The fuck. I don't know. Why would I say that? 
I don't. They got some some stuff. They make it. They make it the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, no, but um, what this what this actually kind of reminded me of of something that I that I did enjoy listening to um was uh, uh Mike Stern. I don't know who, who the fuck is Mike Stern. Mike Stern's a guitar player, but um, it's uh his band like his solo records are like uh 80s like jazz fusion. Is this Good modern shit. or is this from the 80s? From the 80s. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you're saying it was like made to sound like oh from no the 80s. no it, it was from the 80s like i mean uh his first few records like kind of reminded me of this there's like a song on his second album uh that i really loved playing that's how i <laughs> discovered him was like it was like you know something that the jazz band wanted to play but there's a track that he did called upside downside and uh it kind of reminded me of this it's a it's it you know like i said it's a bit it's a bit more 80s sounding but i mean like it's that same kind of like funk cool baseline groove like mixed with like you know it, it it sounded like this to me kind okay. of so be something worth checking out if if you guys like this but i'm sorry i yelled at you it's fine check I, out the mars volta too i guess well i was just thinking because i was every once in a while i'm like maybe i'll like them now and i'll listen to it and it makes me think of the fucking the middle part of sly where it's just like it's just nonsense just like every instrument they're all just like listen how many notes i can play in syncopation with myself speaking of mars volta is like one of those bands that i definitely am like i'm like oh my god i would love to be in the room right there fuck (laughs) (laughs) i I just can't get into them doesn't do it for me and that's the next thing that you think of that's similar to this no i I mean that what like i was saying the fucking deloused in the comatorium or whatever (laughs) um featuring flea on bass of course that middle part of sly (laughs) I feel like everyone says that when they talk about that album. I was like, you know, Flea played bass on that first Mars Volta album. I don't. Nick always tries to get me to listen to Mars Volta again. And You're the only one. <laughs> the last guy. <laughs> I'm hey, also, hey guys, we we everyone figured it out. We can stop saying that. I'm also the last guy in Kansas City who hasn't bumped into Tech Nine somewhere. <laughs> uh, that's really fun. We've all bumped into. Tech I'm pretty sure I've seen him at like Costco or something. That's what I'm saying, but so no, I'm at a gas station. That's just how my 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 brain works by. You say like one thing and then I'm like 15 steps later. You're always 15 steps ahead. Yeah. Um, Sorry to interrupt, Brett. Yeah, no, that's fine. I don't, I have no clue what I was saying. Um, I think that this is, <laughs> I like this record. It's good. <laughs> um, I'm going to cut out everything. I, I like it. I like it. The keyboard. I like I this record. The, I guess we were talking about similar things that we we know that are similar to this. I think the only thing I'd heard was like, uh, in a record that Dennis was listening to by like Sun Raw, which was kind of this funky seventies jazz stuff, mm-hmm. and then I've heard like a Weather Report album, which is like eighties kind of. You know, it's not like this per se, but it is that kind of progressive thinking jazz. Check out that Miles Davis album, Bitches Brew. I will. It's I listened to a little bit of it, and it's like it's like fucking out there, crazy experimental. I like. Shit. I like um, no, it's not, I don't fucking remember. There was a Miles Davis album that I liked, but it wasn't that one. Um, but anyways, was it kind of blue? Blue, yeah, yeah. I think that was it. I like that's one called stuff. Miles Davis plays the trumpet. Um, so I give this. I'm starting. This is how I did this. I'm starting with the year '72, right? Mm-hmm. And then I give it two points for Chameleon. It's from '73 though. Okay, start at '73. Uh huh. Two points for Chameleon. Two points for Watermelon Man. Two points for Sly. Mm-hmm. No points for Vein Melter. So we got 79. Okay. Nice. Oh, can you pull up? Um, okay. So for me, like like you guys said, um, this is not typically the kind of thing I listen to. 
this is probably the only jazz album I own. Um, but this is a this is one of my favorite albums. It's one I listen to fairly often. Um, and when I do have like the urge to listen to it, I tend to listen to it a lot. But I'm not like you, Nicholas, where I can. Th- this is an album where I kind of take it more as a whole, and I just notice little things sometimes. Um, but this is a very much like I just like. I just like listening to it and then it'll be over and I'm like, Mom, I'll listen again. You know? You yeah, I've noticed that you kind of take things in as their like ambiance. Like you just like the atmosphere of things. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um and then there's some things where, where I will latch on more to. Um I, I don't know if it's just kind of the way my brain stores information where it's harder for me to recall specifics over the whole way a song made me feel or the general tone I got from it. But um, yeah, I I really, really love this album. Um, particularly the the song Watermelon Man, like I said, that's like that's like the kind of jazz I could like live in. You know? It's just so something about it's so mellow. Next, you can't live in jazz. Why not? It's just sound. <laughs> I'm living in sound right now, bud. Can't live in sound, guys. You need shelter from rain. Rain, um, I don't give a fuck about rain. All right. Does it go away? You know I Tell say? me that in November when you're out living in jazz and it starts <laughs> raining in that cold November rain. Dude, you'll never learn. Okay, go on. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really love this album. I fucking, I don't, I don't quite know what else to say besides I really love it. Um, I think it totally deserves to be as important and as influential as it is. Um, and I give it a 95 out of 100. Damn. Ooh, ooh. I was going to give it a 100. That's crazy. But then I realized that I don't quite love that middle section of Sly. So I was like, 95. You should listen to more jazz if you like this that much. I try. <laughs> and like a lot of it just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> you only like this one jazz guy. <laughs> All right. Let's do some math real quick. This wins. 73 plus 95 plus 79. I hope it wins. Divided by 3. Oh, that's times three. You're here for some live math, folks, from someone who can't do math. It gives it an 82.3. 82.3, that puts it over Born to Run, uh, which was at 79.33. Oh, I meant to mention, this is on the revised 2020 version of the Rolling Stone Top 500 Albums of All Time at 254. Did I mention that it's it's in the Library of Congress as his, as culturally or historically relevant relevant trump put it in (laughs) i love (laughs) i love the song watermelon man (laughs) i love watermelon i love man i'm not gonna try this you put those those two together it it, it's it people people said people said they couldn't it couldn't be done (laughs) people said a man couldn't be watermelon everybody said it (laughs) Everybody said it. Everyone said it. And then we did. <laughs> okay. 42 weeks. <laughs> 42 weeks in the Billboard charts. You can't do that. You can't do that on your own. Um, okay. Well, then, that wraps up the book on Headhunters by Herbie Hancock. The greatest album of all time. Bruce Springsteen, eat your heart out. Sorry, Scoot. Not the boss anymore. He's a good Scoot. He's not the boss anymore. Whoa. Max threw his phone. <laughs> um, all right, Nick. Did you... You mentioned this morning that you hadn't picked one yet. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Have you done so? Uh, yeah. Do you need to do the dinner choosing app? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, well, I think I don't. The thing, the spinner that we put our 
fast food yeah. options in and it picks for us. Dinner decider. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so uh, I was going to pick something that I really wasn't familiar with. Um, and that would kind of be like a left turn for me. Um, but the uh, past two albums we've done on the show have been that for me. <laughs> I'm just going to um, guess. Yellow card. Huh? <laughs> no. Like we said, we, we said our, our first picks, we were picking uh, classic albums or things Ocean that Avenue might know. is a classic. To some people. I don't even remember how that one goes. That's when it's like, oh, I if to... I could find you now, things, things would get better. But he's also like, there's a place on Ocean Avenue where I used to sit and talk with you. See, I don't remember <laughs> that. I just remember the chorus. That was your... You are shitting on Yellow Card right now. And 35-year-old think- moms everywhere are going to be pissed. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> moms our age, yeah, would be pissed. No, but, um, no, so um, this is not like a an album that I think uh, would be associated with me like super fast, but it is something that I really enjoy. Um, and uh, something a little different for what we're using to do is hip-hop album. Uh, so... Um, and it's it's pretty much like a definitive classic in like all regard. Uh, if you pick Aesop Rock, I'm gonna be mad. I don't think many people would know that as much. Okay, never mind. Cypress Hill, insane in the membrane. You guys think really bad about me. Temple of Boom. I love Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill sucks. You suck. Dude, okay. Have you heard Temple? How do you of think Boom? Cypress Hill sucks? I don't know. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> no, but I don't know Cypress Hill and I don't Nelly. Know Why are you being mean to him? I was joking. Is it Nelly sweatsuit? No. Air Force One. No. <laughs> Southern, well, what's it? Southern grammar? Country grammar? <laughs> Sean Paul. Fuck! It's from 93. Is it a woo? No. Is it a doggy style? No. Is it, is it, does it have an association with the woo? East no. Coast, West Coast. East. Liquid it's gotta be uh, Fresh Prince Code Red. No. <laughs> We're not doing another Will Smith record. <laughs> Come on. What'd you soon. guys think of that iconic Grammy slap? Jesus Christ. We're going to lose these people. We, yeah, I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> I'm tired of talking about I'm that. I'm so done of hearing people talk about that. I haven't got to talk about it yet. We talked about it. There was a really I honestly funny, haven't heard anything about it. What? There was a really fun. <laughs> How the fuck? So in the, in the Dark Souls games. You just heard about it today. <laughs> in the Dark Souls games. In, in How about this war in Ukraine? <laughs> in, in Elden Ring, which just came out, when you get invaded by another player, it says invaded by Dark Spirit whatever their username is and someone made a picture of will smith walking up to chris rock and it said invaded by dark spirit will smith and it made me fucking like howl it's so funny that's, that's i think good. i told you about how um one of the edits that i loved that i saw on twitter was uh because you know for the the comic book podcast i i only see like comic book shit and like after that the will smith slap happened someone edited so it was like that side picture of him doing the slap with his hand down but it was, it was just the batman was, and robin one. It, was, it was nightwing nightwing's fucking ass, <laughs> <just> slapping his <laughs> ass. <laughs> how about um okay born to die is that uh biggie smalls wrong album title but yes the one that's the one you're thinking of ready to die ready to die yeah all right so i guessed i got it technically uh, you sure. picked you picked an album from 1993 that was not Enter the Thirty Six Chambers. Yeah, <laughs> hot We're take. Good. I like this one more. Ooh, the Thirty Six Chambers. I'll show you my Shaolin style. <laughs> That's bold talking right there. I just like I just like Biggie more than I like Wu Tang, mm. but I like Wu Tang. I have never really 
listened to Biggie. Um, so this will be um, cool. It's a good record. I like it. And uh, like I said, we haven't done a lot of hip hop on the <clears throat> old show. Um, and I thought it'd just be cool to do this one. Something that I like, you know. So Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, let's do it. Well, listener guy, listen along to this album, uh, Ready to Die, Biggie Smalls. Was it Biggie Smalls then or Notorious B.I.G.? Notorious B.I.G. B.I.G. Okay, but, yeah. Notorious B.I.G. What a good fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we all agree. Good name. Will we agree? Good album. Find out next time on Now Listen to This. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.